Kum Lenin Ablat Gemara. This Gemara is Abtadik Aleph Amad Aleph. This is the Gemara for Yom Kippur. We are up to the Mishnah, and we were talking about, you know, the children of different wives, how they divide the estate. And we talked about this Aksuva Kobinindikrin, where you want to, <clears throat> each one wants her children to be taken care of. This is separate to the general estate. And and uh, and the husband would uh, would negotiate with his wife, and each one would have a different arrangement with each one. And they're entitled to collect it. The children, the heirs, are entitled to collect it, provided that there's still some money left over to fulfill the mitzvah of having a yerusha. There has to be yerusha that can be divisible, uh, divided. So this Mishnah delineates that a bit further. Says the Mishnah towards the bottom of the page. two women, the mason. And they both died. And then he died. So now the children, the heirs, are going to divide the, the, the state. And the orphans, they first, each one wants to get their own, especially those, those who are entitled to a larger so that Of course, they want to get first their distribution before they divide the rest for the state. But the problem is there's only sufficient funds to cover both suvis, nothing spare. We cancel this whole Ksuvah benedictin and they divide equally the estate because Yerusha is from the Torah. So we are we are up to talking about what we learned yesterday about the division of the estate. <clears throat> if there was an excess of at least one dinner so they could fulfill the mitzvah of, of Yerusha, then each heir first takes the ksuvah that was arranged with their mother, that was the benedictin, that special thing to take care of the kids, and then they divide the estate. What happens if there's only sufficient amount of money to cover the two ksuvahs, there's no, nothing left over for the state, then we say we cancel the state. So the children who are entitled to, to whose mother organized or negotiated a much larger ksuvah feel cheated. So they came up with this ruse. They said, you know what? We are going to inflate um, the estate of our father, the assets of our father by one dinner. So the, so after we take what's rightfully ours, there'll be an excess of a dinner so that we can have Yerusha. Or we are going to add uh, the value of a dinner in order to them. And this will entitle them that they can, they can take their own ksuvah of the mother, and then there'll be a dinner left over to divide. <clears throat> um, in other words, they're going to say that the, the, you know, the money that's entitled to us, instead of being the $150, we'll say it's 151 So we'll only take 150 of that and leave a dinner over. And you inflate the prices. Ain't Shemlin. We don't listen to them. We assess them in a proper bezdin, whatever they're worth, they're worth, and that's it. What about Hayyusham the Chasin below? What happens if there was, uh, let's say, assets that were owed to their father or wasn't there yet? <clears throat> um, or let's say from the grandfather that hasn't yet um, that hasn't yet happened. And if it, it but, but when it will happen, it will be there will be an excess of a dinner to the service. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, what do you call it? Nevertheless, ain't Kimosak. We don't per se, it's as if it already happened. It didn't. And therefore, the moment, you don't have the entitlement. So therefore, just a Yerusha. Rav Shimon says, Even if you do have asset, excess assets, but they're portable assets, they don't count. We need to look at land, property. You need land, property that is worth at least 
an extra dinner over and above the division of the Pesukos. If one family was promised a of a thousand zuz, and the other family was promised five hundred zuz, if there is a 1501 dinner in the pile, then each one has a pile to pay for their mother. But the im lab is only fifteen hundred dollars there or less. They, they divide equally. The, the, tzubah, the, people, the, tzubah, the larger tzubah can't say, oh, we're Michael, we don't need the 4,000 tzubah. We'll take 950. It doesn't work that way. Because the tzubah is being indicative. If you follow it, you got to follow it to a letter or whatever is available. And there's nothing left over for the Yerushim. We don't allow that to happen. That's for sure. The day the person passed away, the father passed away, let's say there were 1,501 dollars worth of assets but then a month later when it came time to divide it there was a major crash there was a there was a recession and suddenly the 1501 dollar uh, assets became worth 1300 dollars so the question is what happens now so they came out the ruben when it there were excess assets at the time of death and then they were they, um, they reduced in value it's, it, it doesn't matter. We still divide the ksubas because the moment the father died, that's when the Yerusha takes place, and therefore they already were entitled to their ksubas. What about the other way around? Muatim and Israba, at the time of death, it wasn't 1500 zuz value there. By the time it came to distribution, after probate and everything, six months later, now suddenly the 1700 zuz worth of assets. What happens then? Do we first give the ksubas and then divide, or we look at the moment of death? Toshma coming here. The Nixay actually what happened. The estate of Bartartar was not sufficient, insufficient, and then an increase of value. But also the Kamadramal who he said to them, Zil go Fayisinu. He told he told the people of the the large Xuba. <clears throat> he told me the large Xuba. That um, doesn't matter right now. You have enough value in the assets. What matters is the time of death, and therefore you're not entitled to anything. At time of death, there wasn't sufficient funds. If you want to, if you want to negotiate something, go and negotiate with the other with the people of the smaller group. Maybe they'll you'll organize something. But you ask if you should listen. Amalu, he said to them, if you don't go and talk to them and listen to my instructions, I will smack you with silver with a thorn that doesn't cause any blood. In other words, I will put you in Kherim, and the reason is because you don't listen to, to the Rav. You have to listen to a Rav. You don't listen, you go to Kherim. Anyway, Shadin and of Nachman, so Amram sent them before Rav Nachman to see if he agrees and whatever. Nachman had a stronger, best, and more authority. Amalan, and this is what he said to them. Just like if there's sufficient funds, and then it was reduced. The Yarshim of the larger Yarshim there share so that even though later on later on there were insufficient funds it doesn't matter there's nothing left for Yerusha they still are entitled each one to the exhibit is the same thing there was minimum funds not insufficient to cover and then it increased the Yoshin were which Yoshin so Rashi traces Moses Shainimir hold that means that the the people of the small um since there was not enough funds, so what happened is the people of the small are happy because there's not enough funds. So forget the Xuvas, we'll divide Yerusha equally. 
their head. So when so during the Gemara, when it says Zoch and Yoshim, it's not the same thing. Even though it says Kashem Kach, which normally would mean Kashem Kach, it's exactly the same. Here it doesn't mean it's exactly the same. The principle is the same. Uh, that um, the, and the principle is that what that the, the Zoich as soon as the person dies. So whichever way it works, we don't care. The main thing is that it happens as soon as it dies. That's what Rashi learns. So according to this, Nachman agrees with Rabbi Amr. Others, however, learn actually brings an opinion that says no. That's exactly the same outcome. That in this case here, just like over there, the the the, the, the family with the logic were one. If it was a sufficient funds, and then it was reduced, they, they divide the ksubas, even though there's no yerusha. So the same thing as well, when it, it was reduced and now increased, and there's enough funds to cover both ksubas, then the ksuba, the people, the large ksuba will get their large ksuba as well. Kashem kach means exactly the same, that the large ksuba always wins out. So interesting, they're arguing in when we say kashem and kach, does it mean exactly the same, or it means the principles are the same? Those are exactly the same. Because generally we say that Kishem and Kach means it's exactly the same. Whenever you learn Rambam, you use the word Kishem and Kach and all the Mephoshim talk about how it's exactly the same and how is it because sometimes it's different. Here you see the more clearly there's an argument when it says Kishem and Kach doesn't mean in every respect because it's not really in every respect because in the first case it was the, 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 the people of the Ksuvah got the got their Ksuvah and the second case they didn't get the Ksuvah. The only Kishem Kach is because the principle is the same. And we look at the moment of death. So it's not exactly the same. Not like this other shot that says, no, it's exactly the same, and they all entitled their souls. Anyway, fundamental argument, but put aside. Ahu Gabra, there's a person, that we must be Alfred Zuzi, there's a person that they lent him a thousand dollars. And um Abdani had two palaces, two big homes, palatial homes. So he sold to the same person. Twice, uh, two, two different properties, two different transactions. First, saw one home for five hundred dollars, and he saw the other one five hundred dollars. Okay, so Reuben owed Shimon a thousand dollars, and uh, Reuben sold to Levi two of his property. Now, Shimon, when he comes to collect Reuben, he had no money. So, what happens? He goes to Levi. So, also Balchayv, Balchayv came. He took one of the palatial homes as um, payment, which is only covers half the payment, five hundred dollars. Then Then he went. Back to try to, to obtain the second one as well to cover his full loan. He went to Labor because Ruben had no funds. So what did Labor do? But he wanted to keep the property. So he gave, he went to Shimon the lender, and he gave Lady's the buyer, and he went to the lender and gave him an ultimatum. He said, Chuckle Alpha took up him a thousand dollars cash. And he said, because the Gabe went to Shimon, Omalay said the following: I'm giving you a brayer now. If you accept the property you took, which even though it cost me 500, you accept it as the full value of a thousand dollars, and therefore your entire loan has been paid off. Good on you. And if you refuse, then I'm taking that property back and I'm forcing you to take a thousand dollars. I'm giving you the full cash. You're not entitled to take my property. You're entitled to get a thousand dollars. If it's a thousand dollars, then you take your property. So not only can the borrower force the lender to take cash instead of property, the purchaser also can force it to take cash instead of the property. I'm giving you a thousand dollars, pay off your whole loan, and give me back my original property. So that's what happens. The old part of the ultimatum is that if if, um, if you want to keep the property, you must accept the value of a thousand dollars, inflating the value. So Rabbi Chama said, "Well, in our mission, we learned you can't inflate values. In the case of the two heirs, when there's no insufficient funds, there's no excess funds, and one of them says, 'Okay, I'll increase the value of the assets, so I'll take a little bit less.'" 
and it says you can't do that. So Rambam comes forward the same thing over here. So Rambam comes forward. Hi, no matter this, it's exactly the case in the Mishnah. Imam Ali Yisrael, they often say, "I don't know, if they've been a yofet, they want to increase the value by doing." The Mishnah says you can't. So here too, you cannot force the the, the lender to accept the first property as a thousand dollars. It's only five hundred dollars. So therefore, you can't force me to take a thousand dollars to pay off because you already I already took the property. What you do is force me to take five hundred dollars. Okay, Omalei. And 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 it seems from here we're having more of a other places whether Hadashuma, which means whether we say that afterwards, let's say even though the lender took the let's say the lender took the property away from the borrower, the borrower then comes up with funds, he can go to the lender and say, Here, take the money I owed you from two years ago and give back my property. And whether it applies also to the purchaser. Somebody purchased a property, he lost it to the lender, but then he got the funds. He went to the lender and said, Hey, take the money, give back the property. And here it seems to me. And they can't do that. Omelet Rav says, Rav, me dummy. How can you compare this case to our mission? Hassan, the reason why our mission does not allow you to inflate it, East Loop Saint Liasma, because the orphans of the, of the mother who has this, the smaller, the lesser Ksuva, the Ksuva Mendikun, they lose out. Because if you're going to do, if you're going to inflate the price, then the people of the larger Ksuva will get a larger amount than the people of the smaller Ksuva. So you're causing a loss. That's why the mission says you cannot go ahead and inflate property where it benefits one, doesn't benefit the other. Hassan, me East Loop Here there's no loss. Alpha Yoiv, the Alpha Shokum. He gives him a braider. Either you accept the property as a thousand dollars, and 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 if you accept it, then there's no loss, or take the thousand dollars cash. And, and so therefore, it's not considered a loss in this case. And that's why over here, Robert said you could inflate it. He argued He says he definitely could inflate the property, and um, and, um, and and give this ultimatum to the lender. Says the Gemara. Um, the tear for become um, um there was the tear for become oh interesting so let's say okay let's say he accept the property value the first property a thousand dollars so now the buyer goes to the lender to, to, to the to the vendor which is Ruvain he said look you sold me a property two property you sold me a property and I lost it he paid for it five hundred dollars but he used it to pay off the lender a thousand dollar loan so the, when he goes back to Ruben to eat to get to the value, was it compensated? Does he get a compensation for five hundred dollars, which is what he paid, or he gets a compensation for a thousand dollars, which is what the property was valued at when he lost it? And why are we even asking the question? Because the din is, let's say, if I bought a property um, and and then I lose it, and the property increased in value because of the effort I put in, then you have to recompensate. You know, you have to compensate me for everything. If, if for everything, including the Sheva, including the benefit. So what happens over here where I inflate the value of $1,000 and I paid off the entire loan. So you pay me $1,500. We come up this feeling, how much do we write that he should get reimbursed? I mean, I'm for the full $1,000. And I mean, I'm what he paid. He paid $500. And this is an artificial inflation. It's not like Sheva, you put into the land, you improve the value of the land. This is an artificial inflation, and therefore it doesn't count. Now the Gemara will bring exactly the same story. But lesser amounts. Again, like last time we had yesterday, a number of stories saying the same thing. Here's another example of that, which I'm not sure why. Well, God, there was a person with a mask of maze that he that he was lent a hundred dollars. How they take it in that two small parcels of land. Sold to the same person fifty dollars each. This model only works if you sold to the same person. So therefore, I have leverage. I can give you an ultimatum: either increase the value of the land that you already took, or take the full money back. If, if, if two different people bought it, how can the other person say you better take the value of the other person's land you bought? It has no 
say over the other person's other the Lakech's land. The lender. Tovlachamai took one of the parcels of the land, then he wants to take the other one, sees the other one. Shokal Kuz was used to the, the buyer, Levi, took $100 because they went to the lender. Mom, told, if it accepted the value of the first parcel of land you took from me, it is worth $100. Great. If not, Shokal Kuz was take $100, we start looking goodbye, giving back my original parcel. So, what I was this is the case of Vishnu, you're, you're artificially inflating your price to benefit you. It doesn't work. How can you compare? Over there, benefiting one, but you're harming the other. What loss do you have? You gave him a hundred and you give him back a hundred. It's only the lender and he gives him basically if he wants, doesn't want, he can take a hundred dollars cash. So, okay, when he goes back to the vendor to, to get compensated, what value does he place on the, the single parcel of land that he lost? Avina said, for the full value that he valued another hundred. Because it paid off a hundred dollar loan, and other people are bechamshin fifty, vichel bechamshin fifty. Because it's not official inflation, that doesn't count. Ahugabra, there was a person that we masked by Muzuzu. There was a person at the lent of hundred dollars. Shochim, he died. Shabbat, he left behind Katina the Ada. He left behind a little parcel of land. Avishabi chamshin tuzu. So Reuben owed Shimon a hundred dollars. Reuben died, left behind a parcel of land with fifty dollars, which means that Reuben, that Shimon was entitled to collect the land. Meanwhile, uh, Reuben's children, the Yisraelim. They now own the land. Also, Balchev, the Balchev came, he took away the parcel of land, the partial payment. But the Yas, the assignment, they wanted the land, very sentimental, they wanted the land. So what they did was they brought the cash, the $50, and gave it to them. Ozil Yasmi, Yavale Khamsi gave him $50. So Hodder then, he went back and took the land again. He said, he's still, still an outstanding debt of $50. Total loan was for 100 The land was only worth 50 You You paid me, you took it back, fine. Now you still own a piece of land, another 50 I'm taking that as well. Also, the comment about it, the same says, not fair. You know, we, we bought the land back from you. you. We bought it now. And if you bought it now, you have no right to take the land. So how do we view this land? So Abayi said, There's a mitzvah to pay the debt of your father. So therefore, we don't view it as if you bought this parcel land. We view it at the $50 that you gave him was as payment of your father's debt, even though we cannot force you to pay your father's debt. We cannot force you to pay your father's debt because Kibbutz Aim, as Taisa says before, Kibbutz Aim is Marchum will have one of those mitzvahs where the, whatever there's a mitzvah with the trader writes the reward right next to it, there's a matnas chad, this is written right next to it, we do not force. So therefore Kibbutz Aim, it says, we don't compel you to uh, to do Kibbutz Aim, or Rashi says, because the mitzvah to Rabbanon, a mitzvah Rabbanon, we don't force you. Taisa disagrees. He says clearly that even mitzvahs Rabbanon will force you as well. But because Kibbutz is a mitzvah Shabbat is it's written the reward right next to it. Bottom line is that the fifty dollars that we, we view it not as you bought the land, but you as paying off your father's debt is is hash to kitariv. So therefore, now that he that he takes it back, is bedin kitariv. He's taking it back rightfully so. He's taking it right back. <clears throat> Um, because all the assets of the labor are mishubed to the loan, and therefore he can take it back a second time. But when do we say that the only they can say clearly that we're buying the land? They said the fifty dollars we gave you is not as a payment of loan, but to buy the land back. 
Then Shlukei, then they got rid of it because now that they bought the land today, there's no longer a lien on this land. It's no longer, it's no longer encumbered to the to the to the lender because the Yisraelim bought it now fresh, and therefore he cannot take it. Oh God! But there was a person the Zogna looks in the email. There was a person who sold the of his mother. He said, "Look, there's a chance that that my mother might might um, what do you call it? Uh, outlive my father." And therefore, she she gets a, a ksuva, and eventually, my mother one day will pass away. So, so it will trickle down to me, impossible. If uh, but there's a big risk here. First of all, it could be the mother will will predecease the father. Second of all, it could be the son will predecease his mother, which can happen. So, therefore, if he sells it, all he's selling for is a mere tevis no, a modicum amount, a very very minimal amount. He's desperate for money, so he sells that right. Um, <clears throat> Um, okay, <clears throat> and then he and he and during the sale he says to them, he asks you, hey, if my mother comes along, let's say my mother's entitled to whatever she comes along, um, and she uh, protests this sale, somehow or another, she protests the sale on, on certain grounds, I will not defend you and I will not be you know advocate on your behalf. What happened was, the mother died. But she did not uh, have any complaints. So now, finally, he was entitled to, to Yashar Lixover. So the buyer said, no, we, we bought a few from you to so give us the entire concept of Lixover. But also, he would come out. And then he came along and uh, he said, look, I'm representing my mother now. I'm Yashar my mother. And my mother had the right to, uh, to uh, protest about the sale. And I told you I won't reimburse you. So I'm standing now protesting not as me, but as my mother. And therefore... I'm taking, I'm, I'm keeping the silver and I don't have to reimburse you because I told you clearly that if my mother protests, I'm not going to reimburse you. So thought, well, he's not um, protesting in his own name, he's protesting in his mother's name. So no. even though he promised them that if there's any protest from my mother, I will not intervene, but he did not accept the protest from his mother, but truly they had no anticipation that he himself was going to be the one protesting against him. That for sure he has to reimburse them. We have a few cases now. Rami Bachama said, Ruvain, if Ruvain, Shemacha Sodal Shimon, very odd case here, but this is what happened. Ruvain sold a field to Shimon, but he clearly told him, expressly told him that I am not taking any responsibility if, if it gets taken away, if somebody claims that the land never belongs to me and I could sell to you, whatever it is, I am not, if a lender comes and takes it from, you know, a lender comes and takes it, I am not going to uh, reimburse you. You're taking the risk, and therefore he charged it. He sold them at a discount. But then later on, a couple of years later, Shimon was desperate. He needed cash. So he went back to Reuben, the vendor, who was a wealthy man. He said, Reuben, I will prepare to sell you back your property, and, and I'll guarantee it. But also, Shimon, I'm guaranteeing it that if I, in case anybody comes and stakes a claim on the property, I will reimburse you. But what happened was, but also Ruben's lender. No, it was, it was Ruben, the, the original vendor, who then turned to be the purchaser. And the, the originally he sold the Shimon, he took no guarantee, no responsibility. Shimon, the, the purchaser, sold it back to Ruben with a responsibility. But it was Ruben's lender who came and seized the field. Ruben didn't have cash whatever at the time, seized the field. So in a way, it was Ruben's fault that the field was being lost. 
What's Machel Gerubi? Ketar of Yemen took it away from him. Dinu, the din is, so this is what Rambam Chama said, the Azul Shimon Fase, Shimon, too bad. Shimon has to reimburse him. Shimon sold it back to Reuben, taking full responsibility. So Shimon has to advocate his behalf, otherwise reimburse Reuben. Amir Rav, no, same logic. True, Shimon said to Reuben, if we lose the property, somebody says the field was stolen and whatever it is, I'll reimburse you. But this is Reuben's fault. Here it's Reuben, the buyer's own fault with the original vendor. He owed money to somebody else. And now he's going to lose the field because that, and you want Shimon to reimburse him, that is, that's, that's too much. It, he never, when he promised him that I'll guarantee you the field was not against you, it was against others. But if it's your own fault, I'm not reimbursing you. However, concedes if Reuben if Reuben inherited field from Yaakov, if let's say Reuben inherited field from his father Yaakov, who then unsold it to Shimon, same story, and also Shimon Reuben, and then Shimon sold back to Reuben Same story, but this time it wasn't Reuben's lender who came to seize the field; it was the original person who gave it to Reuben. In other words, let's say his father's lender, but also Balchayv the Yaakov came along the Balchayv of Yaakov to eliminate. So it's not Reuben's fault; it's where he got the field from that person there. Then Dinu, then even Rav will agree, the law is the Ozil Shimon of Shimon has to go and try to negotiate whatever it is or reimburse Rubin. Why? My time of Balchev the Yaakov is Kabalchev the Almadami. Yaakov Balchev, the original person who, who eventually gave it to Rubin, is like a stranger. And therefore, Reuben was promised by Shimon that he will reimburse him and give him a guarantee. And therefore, if Shimon is no longer, uh, if the property was taken away, then Shimon's responsibility to either negotiate or to reimburse Reuben. And there'll be more cases like this all the way to the Mishnah um, and Tzadigimel. We will uh, continue in Mitch um, uh, Thursday morning.